0: It's six oh six on a
1: Saturday morning, and this is, you guess it, lawn and garden once again. I'm Walter Reeves, the Georgia gardener here at the Pike Nursery in Swanee, Georgia, along with my friend Mickey Gasway. We'll be here this morning from nine a.m. until no, it was six a.m. until nine a.m. <laughs> Let's get it right, Mickey. We'll be here at six a.m. to nine a.m., and you can come and visit us. Our fall remote broadcast from the Pike Nursery in Swanee. You can come visit us. We have lots and lots of things to give away. we got tickets for Luzia. Is that the name? Of how do you pronounce Luzia. The uh, uh, Cirque du Soleil performance here in Atlanta. Greek Festival performance. we got a couple of t-shirts we give away as well. And Ka- oh, and the fall, what do we call it? Fall gift pack, I guess we'd say. We have a uh, mum and some pumpkins that will be here as well. For anybody who comes and attends, you can enter to, to uh, win that as well. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number on Lawn and Garden. If you want to call in and can't make it out to Swanee this morning and help us to have a great morning. Chick-fil-A biscuits, Mickey, will be here in just a minute. Yum. Chick-fil-A, yum. 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 Chick-fil-A biscuits, a little coffee. You get everybody uh, started up and revved up for the morning. You're welcome to come by and visit for a minute and have a Chick-fil-A biscuit. and Just bring your questions, bring your answers, bring your bugs in your little baggies and pictures on your cell phone. Mickey and I will be glad to entertain your questions again: four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty. Mickey, one of the reasons, one of the things that people ask me frequently is, how do you prepare for the lawn and garden show? How do you prepare for the radio show? And I say, if I take a walk around my neighborhood, maybe around the neighborhood next to mine, if I do that once a week, I'll be prepared for ninety percent of the questions right. I get on Saturday morning. I prepare by walking around and looking at things. And sometimes I discover something that I want to know, something I need to mm-hmm. note and some, you know, bug or some plant that's blooming that I need to know about that somebody might ask me about on Saturday. But for this Saturday, it's not a pretty flower, it's a rant. I have a rant.
2: Okay, I'm ready.
1: I am irritated at lawn care companies who charge good money for aeration. When all the aerator does is just sort of walk across the top right. of the ground and make little, bitty, tiny, little, tiny divots on top of the ground with no true aeration at all. Right. That right. bothers the heck out of me. And so I saw two crews yesterday, two different people's houses. Both of them had aerator machines. The aerator was just going bump, 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 blomp, blomp across the yard. You could hear it clank as it yeah. went across the yard. And I went behind them and just looked, uh, standing on the street really, and looked and the divots that they were taking out of the ground were barely half an inch deep.
2: Oh my gosh. It didn't do any good at all. It didn't do any
1: good at all. (laughs) It didn't do any good at all. If you're going to aerate a lawn, the divot maker should go down at least an inch, maybe a couple of inches if you're really, really going to do the right job. And it hasn't rained. I know that. I I recognize it hadn't rained in a couple of weeks. And so the soil is pretty hard. And when the soil is really hard, then the divot, the spoon, the thing on the aerator just can't go into the ground. If it doesn't go into the ground, it doesn't aerate the lawn. I mean, that's it. And it's sort oh. of embarrassing to know that this company was going to charge for the aeration. They're going to scatter some seed like they were putting seed out to overseed fescue and go to put some fertilizer out as well. But that just bothered me.
2: Well, I'm sorry. Simply. It bothers you. It bothers me, too.
1: It bothers you, too. All right. Mickey and I both are on a rant this morning. Mm-hmm. If you're going to aerate, if you're going to do it yourself or if you're going to do it using a lawn care company or somebody in the neighborhood, sometimes I know teenage boys do the aeration, you can help them a lot by irrigating beforehand. Irrigating heavily the night before so the ground is nice and soft the next morning. It's nice and soft and those spoons of the aerator will penetrate down into the ground a couple of inches and will bring up a plug of dirt and that will give the roots of your grass Room to expand. It gets the, sort of airs things out in the in the, in the ground. So you have to be able to see grow. a lot
2: of those plugs. Lots too. of them. Yeah, you she need to see looking.
1: ten per square foot is what I would usually yeah. say, and that means three usually three trips across the lawn. One in one direction, <laughs> one in the right angles to that, maybe one at diagonals to that even. <laughs> so three trips across the lawn. Long plugs, two inch plugs would be mm-hmm. great. Make sure the soil is soft and loose then you've done an aeration, then you've made a benefit for the fescue lawns. And fescue really does appreciate aeration because they're just right now, Mickey, going into their into their fast and the their big season growth, growth. growth. active growth. This is a cool season grass. Fescue is a cool season grass. And so it loves being in temperatures like this where it's just in the 60s during the night, during the 70s and 80s during the day. This is fescue heaven right now. Perfect beautiful time to plant fescue seed, beautiful time to fertilize fescue, beautiful time to get that lawn looking the best it'll ever look all year long, starting in September, October, November. It should look great. How do you do it? By aerating, by fertilizing, by seeding if you need to, doing it the right way with the right amounts of material, and you'll have a pretty looking fescue lawn.
2: I'd like to add something, too. These things that just poke holes in the ground and yeah. don't pull anything out don't, don't do much good. Don't either. do
1: any good at all. Mm. Have you ever seen those aerator sandals? Making? Yes, I have. And do you think the aerator sandals I don't it? think
2: no, so. they
1: don't. <laughs> I saw a guy, sitting, oh, five or mm-hmm. six years ago now, who was out in his lawn walking around with an <laughs> aerator sandal strapped to the bottom of his shoes. And I just I just wanted to stop mm-hmm. and just point at him and laugh at it. I didn't do it, of good. course. I'm a nice, nice. guy but uh, aerator sandals do not do anything for your lawn. They
2: might keep you from falling down in your lawn. I don't lawn. know,
1: you know what do that. If you fall and down maybe, maybe. crack your ankle from, from walking around in those aerator sandals, it's your own <laughs> blessed fault for doing that. So, aerator sandals, no, not so much. We're not going to do aerator sandals, but Mickey, I think, is referring also to the machines, and there's some yeah. machines too that have the spikes on the ends of the aerator uh, barrel, and those spikes that don't pull anything out as Mickey said don't do any good for the for the lawn it may make a hole in the ground but the hole is too small it doesn't really allow a lot of air and gas exchange comp- in the composed, soil
2: compost yeah, that. It compacts, make it. It compacts it even more yeah,
1: yeah it compacts the ground even you more so make. bike aerators the only aerator that really works is called a spoon aerator a hollow tine core, aerator core, core aerator. aerator that's a good word yeah. for it core aerator to uh, to loosen up the soil. Am I finished with that rant?
2: I guess. I guess sounds so. sounds good to me.
1: If you're just taking a half inch, let me repeat, if you're just taking the first top half inch of ground, when you aerate, you're not aerating. The aerator spoon should go down at least a couple of inches to pull big plugs out of the ground, and then, and only then, do you get an aeration for your lawn.
2: And would you use that for any kind of grass, or would you just use it for No, I, I for think fescue? all of them. I, think, right. uh, yeah. I mean, Now. Now. Not
1: now. You're now, right. Now Fescue is the only one that really right. benefits. The Bermuda grass and Zoysia instead be the rest don't benefit at all because they're going to sleep right That's now. Right. They're slowing down. I haven't mowed Mickey. I haven't mowed my St. Augustine lawn in easily two weeks. We
2: haven't mowed our Zoysia in two weeks. Stan's supposed to do it tomorrow.
1: The kid exactly <laughs> the, the the kids he down promised. the street that mow my lawn. I you know texted them earlier in the week. I said, can you come on Saturday? And they said yes, and I sort of think. They're looking for a little money now because they haven't That's been right. paid in a while. They haven't That's mowed right. my lawn for a while. So the kids down the street will be mowing my lawn hopefully this afternoon and make it look nice. And I don't think I'll mow it again for the rest of the time. St. Augustine? So. No, I don't think it'll need it. I don't think it'll grow enough to necessitate mowing yeah, for the rest of we the We used to have St.
2: Augustine. I don't think we mowed it yeah. much faster. One of the
1: things that I do know, that Mickey, is on Bermuda and Zoysia Lawns in particular. Mow it a little bit high if you can, or Mm -hmm. let it grow a little bit high. Don't put it down to the lowest notch on your lawnmower. One of the things you can do to protect those Bermuda and Zoysia lawns, maybe centipede too, is to leave a little bit of foliage over the top so it gives it some cover during the wintertime so it's cold when it's cold or the grass does not um, get much damage from cold weather. Right. And it also sort of protects it from people walking on it because inevitably people walk across your lawn, they walk across my lawn. In the winter time, and if you have a Bermuda or a Zoysia lawn, particularly, then the dead foliage helps to cushion the place where you walk across as you, you know, go on your chores during the winter time when the grass is not growing. It can't repair itself, right. and so you want to be sure that the uh, Bermuda grass is mowed just a little bit higher, maybe than normal. Set it up one notch, a half an inch, maybe on the lawnmower, and that'd be a good thing to do for your uh, for your Bermuda and for Zoysia grass. One of the things that Engenders some controversy, Mickey, is whether or not winterizer fertilizers are worth anything.
2: Mostly potassium. Mostly
1: potassium.
2: And usually our soils are
1: Adequate. Usually we have enough potassium. If you had a soil test that says your soil is low in potassium, all right, we'll use a winterizing fertilizer. And I think there's some cases where adding a little nitrogen at this time of year does help the Bermuda and the Zoysias to store some energy down in the roots, but it all depends on how early you get it out. And it's already the end of September now. And so, as I said, the Bermuda and the Zoysia grass are going to sleep right now. They're not really in the mode to absorb a lot of nitrogen in the through the roots and up into the grass. So winterizer fertilizer, put it out if you feel like it, but I'm not going to say it's the be-all, end-all, greatest thing ever in the whole wide world to put on your lawn.
2: I noticed some onions coming up in my grass, and that really surprised me. I haven't, um, I I don't know when they got there. Yeah. (laughs) They just appeared.
1: The onions just come up, and I think that's true for other, I saw a lawn yesterday that had violets in it, and violets sort of, they quietened down during the summertime, Uh you know, Mickey, and then the, uh, all of a sudden, you see in the wintertime when the cool season comes, from winter through spring, the violets are up and saying, hey, look yeah. at us. And you yeah. can It's not too hard to control violets. You can spot spray them if you want to. You can give them a little bit of, of um, you know, the weed beater ultra does a great job in controlling violets. So it's not hard to control them. Onions should not be terribly hard to control either. But it all depends on getting after them when they emerge and not when they set up housekeeping and made a family and started growing right. throughout the <laughs> lawn on there. Well, right now at 617 at Newstalk WSB, we'll be back to more Lawn and Garden from the Swanee Pike Nursery
0: after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves the Lawn and Garden advice you need. And it's a
1: great Saturday morning. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery in Swanee, Georgia, here at the intersection of Peachtree Industrial Boulevard and, what is this, Beginner's Ferry Road over here across the crossways for us. And Mickey Gasway, my friend, from Pike Nursery is here with us as well. You're welcome to come by anytime this morning. We'll have Chick-fil-A biscuits in just a minute and Chick-fil-A coffee. We have things to give away, and you can register for those here. We have the fall remote attendee giveaway, the starter kit, we call it. It has two large jack-o'-lantern pumpkins plus one 14-inch patio mum plus if you make a purchase of 25 dollars or more this morning you get a free pie pumpkin not a pumpkin pie a free (laughs) pie pumpkin (laughs) let's go to the phones this morning we got nicole on the line nicole good morning welcome to lawn and garden
3: mystery miss nicole (laughs) hey how you doing fine fine hi mickey Mr. Hey, Reeve Mr. Eve is in the talking mood this morning. Yeah, he is, isn't
1: he? <laughs> <laughs> Ranting mood. i am got We're to talk about. We just waiting on you. <laughs>
3: um, I want to, uh, Mr. Reeve, it's not Lucia, it's Lucia. And uh, you will learn that when, when you go on the other side, with Italy and all those trips that you're taking. Yeah. Um, the grass, uh, I have centipede. You know, in the '80s, that's why they are uh, planting. It was really common. They I call it was. the poor man' grass. Sure. Because it is so easy to take care, and it's just tough. It don't need much water. I, I think the enough- only,
1: the only thing wrong with centipede, if there's anything wrong with it, is it's not as deep green. As yeah. Bermuda or Fescue And so people sometimes say Well, I want a green grass out here and So they get rid of the centipede and go to one of the other grasses I
2: think it looks like St. Augustine Except it's
3: not as green It's yeah. dark green It's got a lot of runner Because yeah. I had to edge one of my driveway And uh, I mean The runners just went overboard On the drive.
1: <laughs> well, That makes it easy to propagate too Because you cut the runners off and stick them in little bare spots In the lawn and And you can grow some centipede in places that didn't have it before.
3: Yes, and I have an alternative to um, the thing. Just let the ants, the fire ants, because you you kill one and three more appear. (laughs) Then you get all the digging for the fire ants and you stuck your piece of grass in it.
1: And it was, uh, so sometimes the grass grows better around a fire ant mound. Have you seen that sometimes? It's you have a little aeration because of the fire ants going into the ground and digging the ground up, and so they aerate the soil, and you get better grass growing around a fire ant mound.
3: Yes, use the fire ants so you don't have to do all this digging and put your feet in the grass, and uh, there they come up. They have to ju- to do a job. Well, I th-
1: I think <laughs> if we could get the armadillos to do that too, now Nicole, that would be really helpful. If we get an armadillo to come and dig your flower beds, up. usually they arrive the night after you've dug your, after you've planted your annual flowers. The armadillo comes, wants to see what you have in there, and so they dig everything up again. If they got there before, that would be really really good.
3: Everybody's got to do a job.
1: Armadillos, fire ants, Mickey, Walter. That's right. I guess so. We all have jobs to do out here. Nicole, it is wonderful to talk to you once again. we got to get out of here. We'll see you soon. Enjoy your day. We'll see you soon. It's 628 at News Talk WSB. We'll be back to more lawn and garden after
0: news. It is 6.36
1: on a Saturday morning, a beautiful Saturday morning. It's going to be beautiful all day long, as you just heard from Kirk Malish. We are broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery in Swanee, Georgia, intersection of McGinnis Ferry Road and Peachtree Industrial Boulevard. We are surrounded by beautiful flowers, beautiful shrubs. We've got mums to the left of us. We've got camellias to the right of us. We've got all sorts of other flowering plants up to the front of us back here. Mickey Gasway from Pike Nursery is here as well. What is blooming in the nursery right now, Mickey, that you're excited
2: about? We've got, um, of course, we're beginning to get pansies. We've got uh, all the late summer stuff. We've got some pretty zinnias that'll be pretty for the late uh, late, uh, summer. Snapdragons. Snapdragons. Um, of course mums, we've got all different colors of mums
1: Great, and you can come by today If you make a $25 purchase, you get a free pie pumpkin Go home make your pumpkin pie and let the family enjoy it Let's go to the phones we got David and Tucker who joins us on Lawn and Garden David, hey man, good morning
4: Hey, uh, I've got a, a simple question Which I suspect yeah. has a complex answer <laughs> uh.
1: <laughs> what if we swap that out? And you give us a complex question for which we have a simple answer. Would that be better for me? Better for, uh, Okay, go ahead, David.
4: Uh, too early in the morning for me to put a complex question out there. All uh, right.
1: All right, I am looking for the perfect
4: flowering shrub/ slash perennial, something that lives for a long time, is reasonably colorful. It uh, doesn't have to have a scent to it, but that'd be nice, and uh, hopefully attracts pollinators to at least a moderate degree. And, of course, works well in the Atlanta climate.
1: Man, David, it's too early. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Come on, Walter. Come on, wake up.
1: <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. I'm thinking a camellia with a hydrangea in front of it. You could have flowers. All right, look at this, Mickey Gazway. David, I'm not going I've to tell you there is idea a, a ideal one shrub, but I will say that I can think of a combination of the big leaf hydrangea, right. summer hydrangea, the panicle hydrangea, yeah. a Sasanqua camellia, and a Japonica camellia. You would always have something blooming. The camellias would always be green. The hydrangea would give spectacular flowers on them. But that's my combo. Mickey, what do
2: you got? Knockout roses. Yeah, that's well, I true. mean, like them or not, they're um, they bloom from April through yeah. November, Mine sure. do every year, sure. and there's very little to do with them. Especially the the reds and the pink ones are just they're easy to grow and they do bloom for a long time.
1: So, David, you got the knockout rose. I think Mickey makes a good nomination for that. Uh, as for perennials, ooh, not so many perennials that bloom for a long, long, long period. Maybe.
2: Um, Homestead purple blooms for a
1: long time on there. But, again, my combo, I'm it. my combo. I'm thinking about it right now. Where can I put it in my <laughs> own yard? The camellia, two kind of camellias and two kinds of hydrangeas. You'd really get some some bang for your buck at all seasons of the year from that.
2: Another combo that would be good would be somebody tell me if you would plant gardenias yeah. and uh, tea olive and Daphne you would always have something that was smelling yeah, so good. So
1: smell that's a good point. So if you a had all three of those, you would also have uh, yeah, David That last
4: triple threat is quite something. Okay.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very they, much. They, they, great question, David. That was a good mind-bending question right there this morning. Let's go to the phones back again with Bob. Bob comes to us from Atlanta, Georgia and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey Bob, good morning.
5: Good morning, sir. I'm glad you took my call. Uh, hopefully, this is an easy question. Oh, good, uh, good,
1: Bob. Go for it.
5: I have been propagating the black stem elephant ears in pots, yeah. and I have quite a uh, you know quite a grouping of them. Is it too late to get them in the ground so that they will be established enough to survive the winter?
1: Ooh, gazaway! I, l- I think it's late. It is late. I mean, that.
2: try some of them. If you've got a bunch, yeah, try a few and see how they do. Maybe
1: mulching. I mean, Bob, if you protect them some from freezing, and we don't have a terribly cold winter, I can think that they might withstand that. But elephant ear, as you know, you already sort of hinted at this already. They're not all that winter hardy. And the black stem elephant ear for me have been pretty hardy for three years now that I've had them. So I well, think Mickey's advice is right. Try some and see. And the rest of them keep in the pots and don't plant them for next year. Now, I live in
5: the woods, and I could put six feet of leaves over them uh, when winter <laughs> gets here, if that's what it takes. But I love these things. But i got too many to bring them inside now.
1: Yeah, I think what you would do with the leaves is not put it directly on top of the tubers, but to put some plastic maybe on top of the area where they're planted so they don't get soggy, that the leaves will hold moisture during the during the wintertime, but good. if you could think of some way to keep the tubers from getting soggy during the winter, I think you could do some in good insulation. you got lots of leaves, as you say.
5: All right. Well, I will give it my best. Thank you, sir.
1: Call us and let us, let us know what happens, Bob. I would be very curious to see how the ones survive in the ground during the wintertime. I really would.
5: Well, I'll get back with you. Thank All
4: you right, so much. All right. Good.
1: Talk Bye. to you soon, Bob. Thanks for calling. Greg and up a long way up in North Georgia, and George is in the lawn and garden this morning. Greg, good morning.
5: Good morning, Mr. Reeves. Got a question for you. We just bought this house, yeah. and uh, we have a green yard. It's not grass, but it's definitely green. It's, pr- it's predominantly sun.
1: Yeah.
5: Um, talking to a lot of the uh, older elder people up here, they're saying that, oh, you don't want to put centipede down. Um, I grew up in the Athens area, and of course, we could run centipede and plant oxygen down here. What is your take on putting centipede down up here in the, in the Dahlonega area?
1: One of the wonderful things about breeding plants is you can breed in cold tolerance. And the centipede grass that was developed in Blairsville, Georgia, North Georgia, okay. cold in Blairsville. you got breast and okay. Bald and all that left there. Tiff Blair centipede grass. That's what it's called, yeah. Tiff, T-I-F-B-L-A-I-R, Tiff Blair centipede. And if you can find that Tiflair centipede, you can plant it next spring. You don't plant it now, obviously, but you plant it next spring in May, and it'll be a cold-tolerant centipede grass you can use in Delano. Okay,
5: well that's, what, that's what I was looking for because I wanted to either do the St. Augustine or do the uh, the uh, the centipede, and yeah, my dad much
1: had both. I think you're better off with centipede, the St. Augustine, and Jelonega, ooh. I think you going to have a, have a little right. funeral for that. No. Uh-huh. Yeah,
5: that was going to be my next question: is what do you think about the Saint Augustine up there? Because I know it's more of a, a more of a temperate grass, and more yeah. of a, you know, it, it takes more heat, needs more uh, warmth. We do get a little cool up here.
1: Delonica, are You kidding me? <laughs> yes, it gets cool up there. Get out of here, it does.
5: Well, Mr. Reeves, I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for your
1: answer. Hey, Greg, thanks so much for calling. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven fifty is the number on Lawn and Garden. We've got lots and lots of questions, we've lots and lots of answers, I should say, and you can bring us your questions as well. Edward is up in Habersham County and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Edward, hey, good morning.
4: Good morning, Walter and Mickey. I've listened to you guys for years, and I've got a lot of great information, but I finally found the need to call.
1: All right. Good. Call. Ask. Good. Go ahead.
4: <laughs> okay, uh, we were fairly well hit in my area when a uh, tropical storm Irma came through, I have two questions. I have several rows of grapes, muscadines scuppernog vines,
1: uh-huh. and every
4: one of my posts, my four by four posts, got broke, and they're oh, laying man. on the ground.
2: Oh, oh no.
1: man!
4: And uh... I have lost my Concord grapes already.
1: Yeah.
4: And uh... how am I going to be able to? They're still green, still have fruit on them.
1: Sure.
4: How am I going to be able to salvage those? And when can i start pruning those back yeah to salvage them and can i salvage them
1: you are going to follow the example of my father that's what you're going to do edward my dad with something like this happening, and things like this inevitably happened on the reeves plantation there in <laughs> south fayette county if things fell down like the limbs on the pear tree all cracked out because the fruit was too heavy because he never got around into pruning them in the spring or if the muscadine vines fell down like you're describing here, I think he would run out to the woods and get all the little scraps of 2x4 and limbs and whatever he could find. He would just prop them up. He would just prop them up and make the most bedraggled-looking uh, muscadine vineyard you've ever seen in your life. But I'm sure he would just prop them up for the time being until you get them all harvest, harvested. And then he would spend the winter time bossing me around saying, go dig this 4x4 four post holes up there at the end of the muscatine vines and I set up the wires once again and i think that's okay. your job too edward is to prop them up for the time being and when they're finished harvesting i think i'd wait probably till all the leaves have fallen until i really got into it dig more holes put more posts put the wires up straighten it out and uh get it ready for next year okay
4: i have just moved to this property recently in the past year and i have some overgrown apple trees pear trees yeah. uh... you know they're they are grossly overgrown twenty five yeah. thirty foot high um, i and i can't even get a lawnmower more around them i need to prune the bottom limbs up to where i can get a lawnmower. oh sure and i i would love to top those things out and really get them fruitful again and uh... when is the best time and how much can i cut off
1: when would be winter time again frank reese job for walter to go out and prune the apple trees Sometimes in january you get a warm day in january you can prune them then it'll be just fine and what i do edward is i have mickey check me on this to make sure i have a three-step method of pruning almost any tree apples oak trees doesn't really matter first one is dead dead. limbs (laughs) dead limbs come out they don't need those anymore Crossing limbs. Mickey says crossing limbs are bad for the tree, and that's exactly right. So crossing limbs rarely have any fruit on them and they weaken the tree internally. And crossing limbs and then the uh, the water sprouts, the little sprouts that are about as big as your finger ever that go straight to the middle of the tree, those water sprouts generally don't have fruit right. on them either. So dead limbs, crossing limbs, water sprouts, and then if you can remove ooh, Edward, I would say somewhere less than fifty percent of the total foliage on a tree during the winter. You're going to have a healthy tree in the spring, and you can take out some limbs that are shading each other out. You sort of walk around it for a couple of times and see which limbs shade each other. I think you could do a good pruning job in January and have a nice looking apple tree.
2: The Extension Service has got a real good handout on pruning trees, apple trees, and things Um, you can. Go with them and see. You can see how the apple trees need to have that central leader. That's right. the way they grow the peach. I don't think okay. the peach trees. But so Edward, go in there and look. It's good. If I have a picture, I can see it a lot Edward, better.
1: Edward, the Habersham County Extension Office, if you don't know already know their number, it is 1-800-ASK-UGA1. If you just dial that number this afternoon, they'll have an answering machine and take your number and message, and they'll call you back Monday.
4: Okay. I sure do appreciate it, and I appreciate the uh uh, information on my my all my grapes and muscadines and everything that I have and, and uh, it, Prop you know, so, disheartening to, so disheartening to get up on that morning and go oh Lord
1: oh, man they all knocked down my friend Mickey my friend uh, uh, Ricky Minter down in Fayette County had two thousand Leland Cypress Christmas trees oh, they are all no. knocked down by Irma and so he was. Setting those up and making progress, he said. But man, I wouldn't want to face that. Putting all those Christmas trees yes. back straight up and down. That was a big job for him. Edward, thanks so much for calling. All righty. We'll, we'll see you soon. Thank you, sir. I just cut him off there. I didn't mean to do that. It is six forty eight. We'll be back after this. Brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today, 68 degrees right now. High today around 70, mid-70s this afternoon. No rain in the forecast. Nice humidity today. Tomorrow, a little bit cooler. High around 74 degrees tomorrow. Low overnight around 55. Again, no rain in the forecast. Nice, cool nights and warm days. It's a beautiful time to be out in the garden. We're broadcasting live this morning from the Pike Nursery in Swanee, Georgia. The Chick-fil-A food just arrived. And so if you have not had breakfast yet this morning. Need a little coffee to wake you up. We have Chick-fil-A biscuits here for you to enjoy. Lots of things to give away as well. Curtis is in Woodstock and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Let me get a little button to push right here. Hey, Curtis, good morning. Welcome to Lawn and Garden.
5: Good morning, y'all. Good to talk How to you, you again, Walter. Good morning. Uh, so I have a, uh, I have a 30-gallon uh, crepe myrtle I picked up from Pikes maybe four or five years ago, right. and it's about 8 to 10 tall I'm going to move it this winter. My question is, is, do I need to shovel cut and root prune it now or just just work on something else in the garden until winter?
2: What do
1: you think, Mickey? I mean, that's a pretty like, big crepe myrtle.
2: I like root pruning, though. Yeah, I think that's, that that's a good idea. It, it gets it ready. Uh, get as big as you can when you do it, but I think and it's good quite, idea. For
1: listeners who don't know what root pruning is, it's the process of going out from the trunk of the tree, a couple of feet sometimes, is it right, Curtis, and you shovel, you put the right. shovel straight into the ground, pruning yeah. all the roots around the tree before you actually do the transplanting and just let it sit in the same spot for another month or two or three. And by doing that, you cut off the you know major part of the roots of the tree, but it sort of is accustomed to not having those roots on it when you finally do the transplanting sometime in January. So I think the shovel, the root pruning, is probably a good idea, Curtis. Do that now and do the transplanting in January or February of next year.
5: There you go. A little work today and a lot of work later. That's great. I Enjoy yeah. the show. We'll uh, listen to y'all later.
2: Try some Sure Start too when you use it when you do it. A
1: little Sure Start fertilizer never hurt anybody. Makes the things, makes the plants come back a little bit better. It's six fifty. Excuse me. It's six fifty seven at, at Newstock WSB. This is Lawn and Garden again, broadcasting live from the Pike Nursery in Swanee, Georgia. Come see us. We'll be back after news.